And then we're going to get to Matthew chapter 25. So that's where we're going tonight. And Father, we're just thankful and grateful for the holy written word of God. It is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our pathway. And tonight we're here choosing to hide it in our heart that we may not sin against you. We want to know you better. And we want to know your plans and purposes. And then we want to pursue those plans and purposes as part of your kingdom, as a partner with other believers and with our Lord Jesus Christ, we are doers of the word. The great commission is our commission. And so, Father, we thank you for helping us to do our part and to get the job done. Speak to us from the word tonight, I pray, Lord, and give to us utterance in the Holy Ghost. We look to you for that and know that anything good that's done or said has to come from you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's look in Matthew chapter number 25, and we're going to begin with the 13th verse. Now, we're in the middle, if you will. I mean, looking at this passage, you're right in, in an area of Scripture where Matthew is recording uh, Jesus' parables, and he's uh, teaching about them. And he's getting kind of toward the end of this section, really. But this parable is so important. We call it the parable of the talents. But we want to start back at verse 13 because Jesus has been talking about the foolish virgins and the wise virgins and about the coming of the Lord. Of course, Matthew 24 is about the end times and the coming of the Lord. And so in verse 13, he says, Watch therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliveredst unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. 
Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. This is one of several kingdom parables that Jesus gave to us. Each one gives us a different picture of the operation of the kingdom of God. All of them apply to us. They all have relevance for us. And I want you to notice some things about this. Number one, the first thing I want to talk about is that all three recipients were servants. None of these three men were wealthy individuals. They were not peers with the master. They were servants of the master. They weren't wealthy friends of the master. They were servants. And when these sums of money were delivered unto these people, their lives were changed in one day. In one day. Something of great value was entrusted to each one. I was doing research as the Lord was leading me to uh, meditate and study and bring a message from this passage. And I just wanted to see a little bit about the talent. And uh, all that I can find is that a talent in today's money, and granted our money is very inflated, but a talent would be worth about $1.4 million. This was a huge piece of gold. Or some uh, uh, scholars say that it was the equivalent of 20 years' wages working six days a week in the common wage of the day. For instance, a denarius a day. It would, it would be like 20 years' wages. And so whether it's 1.4 or somewhat less, or even if it would be more, that's a lot of money. Would you agree? That's a lot of money. And so sometimes, and one of the mistakes that we want to clear up about this parable is, people think, well, the one talent guy really didn't get much. And sometimes people think they're the one talent person too. And so that they don't have much responsibility, you know, they think... I can't do much, or in their mind, they're thinking, I don't have a lot of responsibility. But how many of you would agree that $1.4 million, even in today's inflated dollars, that's a pretty big responsibility? Yes. Now, these men were made stewards, not just servants only. Their, their jobs had gone beyond whatever it had been before. I don't know if they were servants within the household. I don't know if they were servants uh, in the fields. I don't know if they were involved in the livestock and the other aspects perhaps of the master's life. We just don't know. 
But we know that on this particular day, their lives changed forever. And they weren't given these talents as free and clear. They could just do anything they wanted and it wouldn't matter. But they were actually made stewards. A steward is not an owner. A steward is a manager. And Paul tells us in the New Testament that it is, it, it, it is essential. That's not the word he used, but it is, it's necessary that a steward be found faithful. And so when the master pronounced the blessing, good and faithful servant, that is a part of what a steward is all about. There are three principles of stewardship that every believer needs to know about. Number one, and this is very simple, but it's so powerful. The first principle of stewardship is that all I have has been given. We don't have anything that we manufactured, we invented, we created. Everything we have has been given to us. All your money, all your property, every ability that you have, your proclivities to be able to do things well in certain areas, the natural talents we say sometimes that you've been given, whatever that may be, all of that has been given. So we're not owners really, we're stewards. Number two, the second principle of stewardship is that all that I give, and that of course includes money, but it also includes my time, it includes my abilities, whatever I would do that's productive and useful and a blessing, all I give will be rewarded. That's the second principle of stewardship. First, all I have has been given. Number two, all I give will be rewarded. And then the third one is this. All that I do will be accountable. Everything I do. And particularly everything I do with everything I've been given. Everything I do with everything I've been given, which is everything of value, I'm going to give an account to God for. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 8 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul wrote to believers, the Corinthian church, and so he's not talking about the judgment of unbelievers or what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment where unbelievers will stand before God and see their name is not in the book of life, Lamb's book of life, they will understand and realize they rejected the Savior who will be in front of them. They will understand and realize that the reason they're going into everlasting punishment is because of their own choice to reject the Savior, Jesus Christ. They would not come by the gospel. They would not receive the Lord. So therefore, they're spiritually dead and will be housed forever in torment away from God and the people of God. Everybody you know that's not saved, that's where they're headed. Unless something changes, that's where they're going. If you have people you know and people you care about that you, you're sure they're not saved or you're not sure if they are or not, you better get busy. Because just as Jesus taught us, we don't know the day nor the hour when the Lord is coming. People speculate, and they've been doing that for generations, and it, it is a popular subject to uh, speculate. And people who do speculation with, 
with uh, uh, um, and and make it sound that like they really know what they're talking about. Uh, usually, there's a group of people that will always listen to them, and it it sells books and you know all the rest. But the fact is, we can know about the season, and we know we're in the last days. I mean, Peter told us that on the day of Pentecost. When he quoted from Joel's prophecies, it shall come to pass in the last days. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. And you do understand, don't you, that one day is with the Lord is 1,000 years. And 1,000 years is one day, as Peter told us in Second Peter. And so uh, uh, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, that's just a moment with God. To us, it's a long time. I mean, today, actually today, August the 16th, 33 years ago, I became the pastor of this church. And um, 33 years is, doesn't seem like a long time, even in, you know, in hindsight. And you can imagine in the mind of God, 30 years, 50 years, it's just a moment in time. So I don't know if Jesus is coming back in the next hour, the next week, the next month, the next year, or in 20 years. But I do know this. This is my only life here. I've got one ticket, one ride. This is all I can do. And based on what I do and how I handle my assignment from God and the resources he puts into my hands, I'm going to give an account before him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. When you appear before the judgment seat of Christ, you're not there to determine if you're going to heaven or not. All those who appear before the judgment seat of Christ are believers. They are going to heaven. What, they are, what we're going to be there for is to give an accounting for what we have done with these resources that have been entrusted to us. As you already probably realize, in the parable, the type of the master is Jesus going away and entrusting us, the church, in each succeeding generation since Pentecost, entrusting us with his ministry, with his goods. Some of us might have just a few talents or maybe one talent. Others may have five talents. But according to the parable, even the man with one was abundantly supplied. The equivalent of $1.4 million in the ancient world would have been a total life changer. And that's exactly what happened when you and I met Jesus. We got a total life change. What he put into us is more valuable than gold and silver. There is no way to put a price. As a matter of fact, when Jesus taught in another place in Luke 16 about uh, material things and faithfulness, one of the things he said was that if God can't trust you or me with material wealth or money, then how could he trust us with what Jesus called true riches? So there are riches that are beyond price. You can't buy them. You can't even earn them. 
They are freely given by the grace of God. And it's those things, like these servants, they, call, they were called in one day, and there's no indication that they knew the day before or the week before or the month before that that's what the master was going to do. But all of a sudden, they're called before the master, and I don't know what they thought. They might have thought, maybe I'm in trouble. Uh, you know, maybe I'm going to be reprimanded. Maybe I'm going to be scolded. Maybe I'm going to be corrected. I don't know what they thought. But on that day... When they heard from the master, he said, I'm giving you a portion of my property. I'm giving you something that's mine, and I want you to manage it while I'm away. And that's what we all are doing in life. You know, we think we're, you know, we're raising kids, and we think we're making money. We think we're running a business. We think we're, uh, you know, doing whatever we do. And yes, we do those things. But from the vantage point of God and from his viewpoint, what we really are doing is we're functioning as the body of Christ. And it's the resources of God that's going to make a difference in our lives. And let me say this to you, it will also make a difference in all that stuff I just mentioned. It'll make a difference in how you raise your children. It'll make a difference in how your business is run. It'll make a difference in everything that is involved with your life. We're going to all give an accounting. An old preacher many years ago that I heard of, uh, a quote from him, I never got to meet him. I'm looking forward to seeing him when I get to heaven. But he made the statement about the judgment seat of Christ. He said, there's where we'll meet the man we could have been. And I think that's a really powerful statement. There we will meet the man or the woman we could have been. We will see on that day all the opportunities that God provided us with and all the resources he provided us with and how those resources meet those, should have met those opportunities to produce abundant blessing. And you know the good news about this is that in the process of doing that, you share in the blessing. How many of you would believe that, if, that even if you're just the steward of $1.4 million dollars, you're probably not going to go hungry tomorrow. That when you go down like the man with five talents, which would be what? Uh, what's what's 1.4 times five? Seven million dollars. And he went and put it to the exchange. He, he uh, traded with the same, the Bible says, and gained five more. How many of you know he probably didn't go down there to the exchange in rags? He probably didn't go down there looking like a bum. No, you see, the thing about God is he doesn't mind that you're blessed in the process of being a blessing. That's, that's how he wants it to be. So we're going to all give an account like these men did. The owner, the master, entrusted the servants with his property. And, of course, that's a picture of Jesus who's given us his assignment and his commission. You know, Jesus said, all power, all authority is given unto me in Matthew 28. Go ye therefore. He immediately gave to us the power of attorney. In my name, he said, cast out devils. In my name, lay hands on the sick. You know, I'm putting some of those ends of uh, the, the gospels together, the Luke and Matthew, I mean uh, Mark and Matthew, for instance. But you see, it's all there. We have been called by him and given his authority. We've been given his name. 
We've been given His standing before the Father. We've been given His power by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. We've been given His ability. We've been given His life. We have the most valuable resources in the world to do the most important job in the world. You need to quit thinking of yourself as just whatever you're thinking. And, and quit thinking because you're past 60 that it's pretty much over and it's all a downhill slide. The only retirement system in the Bible that you can see, real full retirement, is when you die and go to heaven. So you need to die with your boots on. You need to be active. You need to be involved. You need to be a part of what God's doing right to the very end. Amen. I don't want Jesus to come back and find me in a rocking chair doing nothing. You know, a lot of people my age have already quit. I can't imagine. What do they do all day? I asked Glenna. She laughs at me for, you know, like she's supposed to know. I said, what do they do with their time? What, what do they do? Amen. So God has given to us the most valuable resources that he has. To do the most important job in all the world. And one of these days when you stand before Jesus, and you will, you're not going to be concerned about, did I really get the best model of the car that I wanted? I don't think you're going to be interested in how many square feet was in your house. Did you finally ever get that pool put in? Did you finally ever get a deck built or anything of that nature? I think, I think. I think that you're going to say, I'm glad I obeyed God. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. How many want to do something for Jesus? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in the Amplified Bible, which of course is much more wordy than the King James, but uh, in the Amplified Bible, it tells us that the master entrusted these servants with his property and it says that he gave to each man according to his own personal ability. Every person according to their own personal ability. Now, why is that important for us? Because God will never ask of us anything that he won't enable us to do. You don't have to worry about doing anything that God hasn't made you able to do. But on the other hand, you probably don't realize how much you can do. You probably don't realize that when you would be stretched by God, how much you can do, how much you could get accomplished. Even in your prayer life, even in the, just the aspect of walking in love, using your faith, even if you're so comfortable that you have no needs at all and don't foresee any needs to the day you leave the earth, wouldn't it be something to be just see what you could believe in? Just to see what you could believe in. To be a financier in the kingdom of God. How much you could give. You know, we've shared in recent times, you know, that as a church, we reached our giving goals, you know, basically toward the mid-year. So we're beyond that. So what happens when that happens? You just up the goal. You just keep on doing you just keep on doing. And we don't expect a down year. We don't expect a bad year. Why? Because we don't live according to the world's economy. We live according to God's economy. 
I want to ask you tonight to go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. This verse is so familiar to us. We have read it many, many times. But tonight I want to read it from the Amplified Bible. And of course that makes it more wordy and, and takes a little longer to read it. But my goodness, this is so good. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. And I want you to realize that God's talking to you. This is not a word just to me as a pastor or just to some other individual. God is talking to every one of us. Let him speak to you tonight through this word. Now to him who by or in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. I like that word. Super abundantly, far over and above. Notice the terminology. Super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think. God said, I dare you. I dare you to believe me for something that's too big. I dare you to stretch yourself to that next level. Can I issue you that dare in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, to believe him for more than you've ever believed him for before? Who said you have to have a mortgage until you die? Who said you couldn't own your own home? Who said you always had to buy the stripped-down model? Who said you had to buy the off-brand Oreos? Or the Big K Cola? Who said that? Who, who said such things? Well, it wasn't God. I'm not saying it was a sin, but that wasn't God telling you that that's all you can have. Now, I don't want you to get mad at me, and I don't want you to misunderstand me at all. Some people enjoy doing this, and if you do, that's fine. Go for it. It's good. It's all right. But you don't have to shop at Goodwill. Amen. You don't have to spend every Saturday at rummage sales, now known as yard sales, Rummage sales when I was a kid. You, if you like to do some people do, and that's fine. But you don't have to. If you go looking at other people's cast-off garbage and think about buying it, that's between you and God. But always know when you go there and you see that 20-year-old thing that needs cleaned up and you don't know if you really use it or not, before you give them 50 cents for it, remember, you're going to have to take it home and do something with it. And the next time it's sold, you may only get 25. You might go in a hole on that. <laughs> Always remember, you don't really have to. Hallelujah. God is extravagant. Now, <laughs> whew, I'm about out of time. But this is a good place to, to leave it. To think bigger than you've ever thought. To do more than you've ever done. To reach more than you've ever reached. To be a greater blessing than you've ever been in all of your life. Let me ask you this question. Has anybody, you don't have to, please don't raise your hand, but have you ever been truly blessed by someone? I mean, they just, they just blessed you. I know I have. Glenn and I have been just so blessed beyond 
what we thought. I mean, beyond where we were, we, we, you know, even things just, just happen that, that you're just amazed. Do you realize that whoever it was that blessed you that way couldn't have done that unless they were blessed? So there is another level. There's another level. And that's where we need to be thinking. That's where we need to have our sights. Let's get back to this verse. I do want to finish reading it before we go. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose. I think it's just so wonderful. It's the purpose of God that you are so blessed. You didn't have to talk him into it. He already was in favor of it. You don't have to beg him that your needs are met. You know, if you really have a right understanding of these things, you never pray about your needs. They're promised to be met. You pray about your wants. Amen. Something to think about. Take it home. He's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think. And then he's not finished with these descriptive words. Infinitely... You know what infinite means, don't you? You can't find the end of it. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. <laughs> That's the way God thinks. He's not thinking about save that little spoonful in an old butter dish, which really ain't butter. And I can't believe it. Yes, you can. It's, it's not butter. It's, you can tell. Amen. He, he, <laughs> he does infinitely beyond. We need to start thinking like God thinks because God is extravagant. Now, what I want to close with tonight is a little definition type thing. I want to give you something to think about. God is extravagant. He isn't wasteful. Now, see, a lot of people don't know the difference. I mean, they just think anything that's extravagant and very nice, that somehow that's a waste. And uh, they need, you know, we need our mind renewed. What, let, me, let me give you some, something to think about. Waste generally is not determined by the giver, but by the receiver. If someone gives you plenty, they're not wasting. They're being extravagant. If you treat it like garbage and you don't appreciate its value, then you're wasteful. So extravagance is having more than is needed, giving the ability to be generous. And so when God pours out these kinds of blessings we're talking about here. He's not wasting. He's extravagant. And, and, since he can do infinitely beyond our highest dreams, hopes, or prayers, what you have to realize, and this is so important to get a revelation of this, what you have to know is that with God, his blessings are infinite, meaning there's no end. So he could give you 
so much that you didn't even know what to do with it, and he hasn't even scratched the surface of what's his. If, if you had an infinite supply of money, I mean, this is hypothetical, it's not real, of course, but if you had an infinite supply of money, if, if you knew that no matter what you did, what you bought, or how much you gave, you would never run out and there would always be a replenished supply. How would you live? Well, I want to tell you something. The God you serve is in that position. Your bank account today might not look like that, but God's resources are that way. So you'll never ask in such a way that he says, oh my goodness, I never thought you'd ask for that. That's going to be hard. No, you'll never hear that from God. As a matter of fact, what you see when you have revelation of these truths is that the master is willing to give you more than you even think you could, you could deal with. You know the, the man with one talent, the man who just got 1.4 million, <laughs> who just got 1.4 million? Do you realize that the master knew because he gave in accordance to their several abilities? He knew he could handle that. It was the servant that dropped the ball. And so when God looks at us, he knows what we can handle. And by the way, you expand your capacity by just meditating on these kinds of truths like you're hearing tonight. We've laughed about some of these things and made a few funny remarks, but this is really very, very important and very serious because, because as you expand your thinking and renew your mind, you build your capacity. And as we see in this parable, we're not going to finish all this tonight, so we'll come back next week and talk more about it. But you'll see that it's possible to actually even double your capacity. So whatever you have tonight, God don't see that as the end. There's more coming. There's more coming. This is a year of breakthrough and blessing in this church. Those connected with this ministry, this is a year of breakthrough and blessing. Glenda was just telling me the other day, she just heard a testimony Sunday of somebody that, that just, just out of the blue, unexpected, somebody gave a couple here in the church three building lots. Three buildable lots and then one of the uh, people in that family, the couple, just also got a $10,000 a year raise. That's just one testimony. This, this, this has been a marvelous year. And it's not over. What are you going to do with the last four months of 2023? The last one-third of this year. How many glorious things does God want to bring to pass? And how great does he want to bless you? And that you can be a blessing. Yeah. Hallelujah. Giving more than we've ever given, having more than we've ever had, that's God's plan, not only for the church, but for every one of us. God thinks you're a good investment. And God invests in you like the master. He invested into these servants. And the question then becomes, what do we invest in? What do we do with our abilities, with our money, with our time, with our opportunities? What kind of stewards are we? 
Because as we close, verse 19 says that after a long time, the master came back and settled accounts with them. So there is a responsibility and a reckoning concerning that all God entrusts us with. I want to hear him say, when I stand before him, well done. Well done. You know, well done, that's kind of an, uh, an, an old English and even to this day quite a, a British English uh, phrase that Americans don't use a lot. Well done. But that's what I want to hear, don't you? I want to hear him say, you, you did well. You were a good and faithful servant. Now, you know he can't lie. So he can't say that if you haven't been a good and faithful servant. So part of being good, well, we'll talk about that next week. It doesn't mean just not stealing cookies from your granny. But it, it's, it's more than that. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's sing that.